Good day. This is Bob Zeiger, Deputy Editor of the Journal of Allergy and Clinical Immunology in Practice. It is my pleasure to present to you the highlights of our January 2024 issue. The theme of this issue is inhalant allergen immunotherapy, which has been the bread and butter of allergy practice for more than a century. Accordingly, a theme issue on inhalant allergen immunotherapy would appear like preaching to the choir and raise the issue of what more can be taught and learned about such a standard procedure. A lot, I may add. The reviews highlight the art and science of inhalant immunotherapy currently and what to anticipate in the future. We thank editorial board members, Dr. James Lee and Mohammed Shamji for serving as coordinators for this theme. The issue includes six excellent theme review articles with three CME eligible articles. Finally, theme coordinators, Drs. Lee and Shamji, provide in their theme editorial enlightened perspective to the six review articles. The first clinical management review emphasizes the art of allergen immunotherapy and was penned by Dr. Howard Nelson, the master clinician of immunotherapy. The review discusses the factors that are necessary to optimize the effectiveness of allergen immunotherapy and includes the importance of patient selection, sensitization profiles, allergen exposure factors, allergen content of major allergens in standardized allergenic preparations, and patient motivation features associated with better compliance. Our second clinical management review by Drs. Nelson and colleagues highlights the skill needed in dosing for subcutaneous immunotherapy treatment, which requires clinical expertise and attention to polysensitization, tolerability, and compounding. In addition, careful consideration must be given to assessing the range of optimal doses, given the variability of extract potency, specifically within North America. In their Grand Rounds review, Drs. Capen and co-authors expertly address the accumulating evidence that allergen immunotherapy is disease-modifying and improves asthma control in patients with allergic asthma, leading the Global Initiative of Asthma to recommend allergen immunotherapy as add-on treatment for mild to moderate asthma. Doctors Farr et al. in their clinical commentary review provide perspectives on the future of allergen immunotherapy from an international group of experts. They propose seven future directions for allergen immunotherapy for allergic rhinitis, including alternative routes, recombinant vaccines, component-resolved diagnostics, the influence of COVID's vaccination breakthroughs on innovations, the role of combining biologics with allergen immunotherapy, innovations for high-risk children and adolescents, and the future regulatory challenge facing allergen immunotherapy. 
Given the adage that prevention is better than cure, Drs. Ashad and co-authors in the clinical commentary review with CME focus on the impact of allergen immunotherapy on secondary prevention by halting the progression of airway disease from allergic rhinitis to asthma and in primary prevention by preventing peanut allergy with the early introduction of peanut to infants. The final review, a clinical commentary by Drs. Lehati et al., discusses the mechanisms and predictive biomarkers of allergen immunotherapy. They describe the current biomarker candidates related to allergen immunotherapy and how future studies can help identify clinically relevant biomarkers regarding safety, compliance, and efficacy. Given the importance of allergen immunotherapy to both patients and allergists, we hope the comprehensive and insightful reviews in this issue on multiple aspects of inhalant allergen immunotherapy currently and in the future will enhance the care of patients with respiratory allergic disorders. Additionally, three of the reviews provide CME exams for credit. Now let me present the highlights of the 14 full-length original articles in this issue, which are the topics of anaphylaxis, artificial intelligence, asthma, drug allergy, food allergy, immunodeficiency disorders, and urticaria. The first article on anaphylaxis is entitled, Anaphylaxis in Clinical Trials of Sublingual Immunotherapy Tablets by Nolte et al. What is already known about this topic? Anaphylaxis is possible with any allergen immunotherapy treatment. Despite well-known criteria to identify anaphylaxis in general, there is no consensus method to identify anaphylaxis in relation to sublingual immunotherapy slit clinical trials. The standardized medical dictionary for regulatory activities query, abbreviated SMQ, search tool is useful for drug safety monitoring. What does this article add to our knowledge? The SMQ search tool can be used to identify potential anaphylaxis related to SLIT and may be used to harmonize consistent anaphylaxis reporting across allergy immunotherapy formulations. In a large data set of SLIT tablet trials, anaphylaxis was rare for SLIT tablets when using the proposed SMQ search criteria and after medical expert review. How does this study impact current management guidelines? The SMQ search tool may be used to monitor safety of current and future slit products using a simple common algorithm. Anaphylaxis with the slit tablets is rare. The next article on anaphylaxis is entitled Fatal and Near Fatal Anaphylaxis, data from the European Anaphylaxis Registry and National Health Statistics by Hoffa et al. 
what is already known about this topic. Fatal anaphylaxis is rare. Anaphylaxis mortality rates in many countries are increasing over time. Male sex, higher age, and anaphylaxis to drugs are known risk factors for a more severe outcome. What does this article add to our knowledge? Anaphylaxis mortality rates increased in the German population between 1998 and 2020 in females and drug-induced cases. Near-fatal and fatal cases reported to the European Anaphylaxis Registry presented similar risk features. How does this study impact current management guidelines? Patients with risk factors for severe anaphylaxis should be managed with great caution. The increase in drug-induced fatalities points to the need for a better allergy care of patients suffering from drug hypersensitivity. The next article is on artificial intelligence and is entitled Artificial Intelligence Generated Scientific Literature, a Critical Appraisal by Zybachinsky et al. What is already known about this topic? Review articles, inform medical decisions, and identify research areas. Artificial intelligence, AI, has potential for transforming literature synthesis, but accuracy must be evaluated. What does this article add to our knowledge? The AI chatbacks generated scientific writing can be inaccurate, missing critical information, relying on open source resources, and therefore biased. Content including references may be fabricated. How does this study impact current management guidelines? The study highlights the need for a cautious approach when using AI in synthesizing medical literature to uphold the highest quality of medical information. Our next four original articles are on asthma. The first asthma article is the impact of airway obstruction on phenovalues in asthma patients by my keys et al. What is already known about this topic? Study with airway challenges showed that in patients with asthma, FEV1 reduction decreases the value of fractionated exhaled nitric oxide phenol, a marker of type 2 airway inflammation. The impact on FEV1 reduction on pheno in real life remains unknown. What does this article add to our knowledge? Beyond the type 2 inflammatory climate, airway caliber status is a significant and independent determination of pheno levels in patients with asthma. This could be problematic for pheno interpretation in patients with low FEV1. How does this study impact current management guidelines? We propose an FEV1 plus 4.3 parts per billion correction factor to the measured phenol value for each 10% reduction below 100% predicted FEV1. The next asthma article is the increased risk of new onset asthma 
after COVID-19. A nationwide population-based cohort study by Kim et al. What is already known about this topic? Currently, only one retrospective study with a small number of subjects suggested the coronavirus disease 2019, COVID-19, might be associated with an increased risk of new onset asthma. What does this article add to our knowledge? The incidence of asthma in patients with COVID-19 was two times higher than in those without COVID-19. Excluding subjects with COVID-19, the incidence of asthma was similar regardless of vaccination. How does the study impact current management guidelines? Our study findings suggest that COVID-19 could be a risk factor for new onset asthma and the increased risk might be mitigated by COVID vaccination. Our third asthma article is entitled Comorbidity Burden in Severe and Non-Severe Asthma, a Nationwide Observation Study, Fin Asthma, by Kankaranta et al. What is already known about this topic? Previous evidence shows that the use of systemic corticosteroids, SCS, is prevalent in asthma management and is associated with a wide range of adverse effects, which may contribute to comorbidity burden of patients with asthma. What does this article add to our knowledge? Nationwide data demonstrated a dose-dependent association between SES and inhaled corticosteroids ICS use and comorbidities, especially pneumonia, and significant impact on health care utilization in severe asthma patients. The high CS, but not the SCS, had a safe dose range. How does this study impact current management guidelines using SCS and high-dose ICS should be carefully evaluated in asthma management. Other treatment options, biologics, should be considered in severe asthma to potentially decrease comorbidity burden and excess healthcare resource utilization. Our final asthma article is entitled Tobacco Exposure and Efficacy of Biologic Therapy in Patients with Severe Asthma, a nationwide study from the Danish Severe Asthma Registry, Basundergaard et al. What is already known about this topic? It is unclear whether patients with severe asthma and a significant smoking history benefit from biologic therapy because these patients are excluded from randomized trials and real-life reports on this topic are limited. What does this article add to our knowledge? This study represents a nationwide cohort of patients with severe asthma who are receiving biologics. It shows that patients with severe asthma and significant tobacco exposure benefit from biologic therapy to the same extent as those who have never smoked. How does this study impact current management guidelines? Patients with severe asthma and previous significant tobacco exposure should be prescribed biologics in the same way as those who have never smoked.
Our first article on drug allergy is entitled Assessing Pediatric Cephalosporine Allergic Reactions Through Direct Graded Oral Challenges by Stillcox et al. What is already known about this topic? Cephalosporins, a group of beta-lactam antibiotics, are commonly reported to cause allergic reactions. This study was completed to assess whether direct-graded oral challenges, GOC, were appropriate for the diagnosis of a cephalosporin allergy in children. What does this article add to our knowledge? Our study suggests that direct graded oral challenges are a safe and effective diagnosis strategy for pediatric cases who report non-vesicular skin-limited symptoms while being treated with cephalosporins. How does this study impact current management guidelines? Direct graded oral challenges should be implemented as a diagnostic tool for pediatric cephalosporine allergy. Our next article on drug allergy is entitled Vancomycin-Induced Liver Injury, Dress and HLA-3201 by Asif et al. What is already known about this topic? Vancomycin is commonly used to treat multidrug-resistant bacterial infections and rarely has been associated with delayed drug hypersensitivity such as drug reactions with eosinophilia and systemic symptoms. What does this article add to our knowledge? Vancomycin-induced liver injury was associated with HLA-A3201 and manifests as part of drug reaction with eosinophilia and systemic symptoms with fever, rash, and eosinophilia, which often preceded liver injury. How does this study impact current management guidelines? Patients developing fever and rash on vancomycin therapy should stop the drug promptly. HLA-A3201 testing can help in the diagnosis in assessing the risk of drug reactions with eosinophilia and systemic symptoms after initiation of vancomycin therapy. Our only food allergy original article is entitled Alpha-Gal IgE Prevalence Patterns in the United States in an Investigation of 3,000 Military Recruits by Alsworth et al. What is already known about this topic? The Alpha-Gal syndrome, AGS, is a tick-acquired mammalian meat allergy caused by IgE to galactose-alpha-1,3-galactose-alpha-gal. AGS was first described in the southeastern United States, but nationwide investigation into alpha-gal IgE prevalence has been lacking. What does this article add to our knowledge? This investigation of military recruits reveals striking variation in patterns of alpha-gal sensitization. Male sex, white race, and residents in rural areas where the lone star tick is established were all associated with alpha-gal sensitization.
How does this study impact current management guidelines? Not all sensitized individuals have clinical mammalian meat allergy, but prevalence rates of alpha-gal specific IgE approaching or exceeding 30% in many regions are consistent with a substantial national burden of disease with alpha-gal allergy. Our one immunodeficiency article is entitled The Association Between Malignancy, Immunodeficiency, and Atopy in IgE-Deficient Patients by Agress et al. What is already known about this topic? IgE deficiency is associated with significantly increased prevalence of malignancy. What does this article add to our knowledge? We found that other immunologic characteristics are important in stratifying the odds of malignancy within IgE-deficient patients. How does the study impact current management guidelines? Performing skin testing and measuring additional immunologic parameters might be useful in assessing the long-term malignancy risk in IgE-deficient patients. Our first of three articles on urticaria is entitled, Serum Amyloid A as a Potential Biomarker for Disease Activity in Chronic Spontaneous Urticaria by Cavaggio et al. What is already known about this topic? Serum Amyloid A, SAA, levels are higher among patients with chronic urticaria. However, no studies have assessed serum amyloid A levels in spontaneous chronic urticaria or its correlation with urticaria activity score over seven days, UAS7. What does this article add to our knowledge? This research shows that SAA correlates with UAS7 with more strength than C-reactive protein and is higher among patients with controlled chronic spontaneous urticaria than in patients with non-controlled chronic spontaneous urticaria, as well in those with concomitant angioedema or delayed pressure urticaria. How does this study impact current management guidelines? Serin amyloid A might be a useful tool for assessing disease activity in patients with chronic spontaneous urticaria. Our second original article on drug allergy is entitled Lanadelumab in patients ages 2 to less than 12 years with hereditary angioedema. Results from the Phase 3 spring study by Mara et al. What is already known about this topic? Although the symptoms of hereditary angioedema, HAE, often begin during childhood, and as early as infancy, in some patients, there is an unmet need for effective and safe long-term prophylaxis therapies for young patients. What does this article add to our knowledge? This phase three spring study demonstrates the favorable safety and efficacy of lanadolumab and supports the use of 150 milligrams every four weeks or every two weeks in patients aged 2 to less than 12 years with HAE.
How does the study impact current management guidelines? Lanada Umab demonstrated a favorable safety profile was effective in preventing HAE attacks and improved health-related quality of life in patients aged 2 to less than 12 years, filling in an unmet need for long-term prophylaxis in this age group. Our last article on drug allergy and final original article for the January issue is entitled Efficacy and Safety of Rituximab-Based Treatments in Angioedema with Acquired C1 Inhibitor Deficiency by Calmi et al. What is already known about this topic? Angioedema with Acquired C1 Inhibitor Deficiency, abbreviated AAAE C1 Inhibitor, can occur during lymphoid hemopathies or monoclonal gammopathies and is associated with anti-C1 inhibitor antibodies in 50% of cases. Some cases seem to respond to rituximab. What does this article add to our knowledge? The presence of anti-C1 inhibitor antibodies in the setting of AAA-C1 inhibitor is not correlated to response to rituximab. How does the study impact current management guidelines? The treatment of the associated lymphoid hemopathy with rituximide alone or rituximide-based treatment efficiently prevents angioedema attacks in AAE-C1 inhibitor. Thank you for listening to the highlights of the January 2024 issue of the Journal of Allergy and Clinical Immunology in Practice. This is Bob Zeiger, and I hope you find this issue beneficial for you and your patients.